This is Side of Design from BWBR, a podcast discussing all aspects of design with knowledge leaders from every part of the industry. Hi, and welcome to Side of Design from BWBR. I'm your host for this episode, Matt Gerstner. On this episode, we'll be digging into the process of consensus building in design and discussing the challenges and opportunities that can occur when planning for multiple stakeholders who must agree on a common vision. Joining us from BWBR are Stephanie McDaniel, President and CEO, and Nate Roizen, Senior Project Planner. Thank you both for joining me today. And thank you for actually being here in person, our first in-person episode. I love this. This is so cool. So fun. <laughs> so let's just get things going. To start, just kind of wondering, how would each of you define consensus in design planning? Who'd like to start? I can start. Uh, I think about consensus as a way to build agreement on a direction. And it's really important to mention in this idea of building consensus that it's not all rainbows and unicorns. In an effort to build consensus, it's really important that we dive into all of the hard stuff, have lot, ask the hard questions, share multiple options, really make sure that we're embracing and building consensus early and thoroughly. Okay. Okay. Nate, what's your take on it? I, what Stephanie said, obviously. <laughs> I think uh, the the only thing I could add to that is is that that term vision that you had in the in the intro that yeah. that feels really important to me. Okay, you know, groups of people that are coming together, they each have their own baggage, and getting them focused on the same thing as yeah. uh, what we're working towards is is a really key part of the process. Okay, and, and there there there's just so many different different directions that an individual in a group can go. Yeah. And or or maybe better way to put it, can think that they're going. And so in, in order to kind of gather everybody around a single a single goal or a single endpoint, that that idea of the vision is something that that is just incredibly important to establish up front. It cer- certainly sounds like it. It really does. Yeah, so glad you mentioned that name. So so when you're thinking about consensus and design planning, how do you approach collaboration and planning? with consensus building as the goal. I think the idea that Stephanie mentioned before there, developing options, for me, it's doing the work of showing everybody that we've really investigated a number of different ways of, of going at a particular uh, issue, problem, solution. Okay. If people in the group can trust that we've done our homework without them in the room, yeah. They will be able to coalesce around an idea um, with us in the room and, and, and have it come together where you can say, I see what you're saying, but we tried to do that and it just didn't work for this reason. And building up that level of trust up front can, can really only be done if they believe that we're actually working as hard as, as, as we are behind the scenes. Um, so to me, that means uh, you, you come up with, with lots of ideas and you test them out and you show you, you try to bring the people in the room along in your own thought processes. Okay. So I'm here, I'm, I'm here and you don't just show up with one idea that that's not the way things go. Right. It, I mean, you can sometimes, you, sometimes there's uh, there is one idea and that's the only one that makes sense. Uh, even in that instance, sometimes it's good to have multiple ideas to show why the, the, they don't work as opposed to the one that you think does. But when you're working with a larger group of people, I always like to be able to say, Tell me where I'm not seeing something correctly. Because we always come in with, oh, we think this one is the best. 
but most often we don't know the the perspective that other people are going to be bringing to the to the project and to our work so if there is that editorializing to say, I think this second concept we looked at is the one that most effectively meets your needs for these reasons, am I wrong? Am I missing something? What is your perspective that might change that conclusion? That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and Nate, I want to pick up on, on that last little comment there. Does this meet your needs? I think what we do before bringing these options is that we listen really intently. So we, we've developed that vision that Nate mentioned. And we've worked together to build that vision. And we've also listened really intently on what the needs are for the given project in the program, in all aspects of the project. And we listen to all of those ideas. We play them back for the client and the participants of the workshop. These are generally in a workshop. And then we bring those ideas in. And uh, our goal is always that we're finding ways in the options to meet the needs that the client has articulated. That's all very, very interesting. So what I'm really wondering now is how do you ensure varying viewpoints are heard and considered in these meetings? That's a great question, and it relates closely to our equity work. Certainly listening really intently, but I think also understanding all of the the perspectives of the individuals that are in the room, trying to understand the power dynamics that are going on. We also, even before we've set up the meeting, try to make sure that uh, everyone is represented. And so as we look at the list of attendees, if there's a voice that's missing from the conversation, we want to bring in that, uh, in that conversation. We often will use ground rules uh, so that everyone is uh, knowing how to engage in a, in a conversation, trying to create psychologically safe space. And then I think uh, for us as planning individuals, practicing self-awareness for ourselves so that we can be truly active listeners and um, setting aside our our individual biases. Right, right. So it sounds like there's been a lot of uh, equity work going on at the firm that is really benefiting consensus building as well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's been really uh, integral. Yeah, I had, when I started attending meetings and going going to client meetings, the power dynamics with certain clients I was working with at that time were very top-down. Right. And there's one in particular that I can think of that when this client said, we're doing X, we did X, right? And that's something that is part of a, a specific organization and their culture. And I think the thing, Stephanie, that you came up with about, we have to understand the culture of our clients. Most of them, if they are set up as a command and control type of an organization, they probably don't want to be. They probably recognize the limitations in, in that approach. And they're bringing the, the desire to have many voices heard. I've been around leadership level people that get uncomfortable when others aren't talking. And, and they say, Why, you know, what do you think? They'll, they'll look across the table and say, share your opinion. You're here. You have a voice. And so us being able to facilitate that process and understand the advantages that come from equity and come from a diversity of viewpoints, I think is a, is a helpful mindset when you're sitting in a room with a group of people that all eventually need to agree on something. Right. Well, it certainly sounds like it. It certainly sounds like there's, there's a lot of benefit to making sure that all the voices are heard within the space uh, just for the outcome, for a good outcome for a project. Yeah. And I think... The consequences of not hearing every voice are really, could be really detrimental to the project. Uh, we might make a mistake because a certain viewpoint has, uh, has been missed. 
if we catch it later on in design, then we've got to backtrack and that's extra work for everyone involved. So it, it really behooves us to make sure that we're hearing all of the voices early on in the process and, and building that solid consensus. Well, and it also makes us confident when we do go forward to a later stage of design. The, you know, the, the, the project team starts kind of small, right? There might be three, four, five people working on it together. And eventually, if it's a large project, it's going to be 40 people. And so uh, in that upfront stage of the project, having the confidence to say, this is what we're doing. We have looked at all the ideas. We have stress tested them with our client. We've heard all the voices. Okay, 50 people, go. That only helps the efficiency of the, of the process later on down the road, where they don't have to second guess the decisions that they're seeing on paper as the, the, the baseline or the, the vision that they're working towards. Yeah, I love that. I love that we're all moving forward with such strong confidence, as Nate says. The client can, uh, can express why this is the right decision. All, everyone on the team can describe why this is a good decision. We can relate that back to our vision. And then when we get to a place where we need to make hard decisions and align to a budget, value engineering is a term we use, then it actually is easier because everyone is so committed to what the real reason for this project or or they're they're really just enthusiastic and excited about about a given project that's great buy-in is is probably one of those things that if it's not there project is going to be just uh, it's it's going to be difficult well and on our on our client side they're you know, we're only attending, you know, an eighth of the meetings about the project, right? Are the, the people that are in the room with us are then going up to their bosses or they're going out to this committee or that committee and they're talking about the project without us around. And, I, you know, sometimes it's better if we are around, but if we can have them with a great sense of buy-in, then, then all the rocks that get thrown at the project by all those people outside, they have a good answer for it. Why aren't you doing it this way? Well, we looked at that and we decided that because we're approaching the project uh, the, the way you're seeing it here, it has these advantages. That can really also diffuse a lot of issues later on in the in the project where someone comes flying in off the top rope and it's like, you didn't look at this. And, you know, that happens and we deal with it. But if we can avoid it, better for everybody. No, definitely. So to get buy-in and to get this consensus in design planning, what factors and skills do you think play a role in building consensus? Clear communication to me. Okay. Um, I think uh, when you're de- buildings are inherently very complex things. We have all these considerations, building codes, constructability, cost, uh, performance, beauty, uh, you know, all these different uh, factors that kind of, can then you know ultimately manifest into a, into a, into a project, and I think that if we are able to clearly articulate why something is or how something is meeting all these different factors, then people can kind of really see what we see when we're, when we're looking at a at a proposal. You sit and stare at a drawing for 18 hours, and you really know it, um, but then you flash it on the screen in front of somebody, and they're seeing it for the first time, and you can't really know how they're looking at it. You don't know what their eye goes to first. You don't know what they're seeing or not seeing or what baggage they might be bringing. So the ability to clearly say, we think this is a good idea from a cost standpoint, or this 
might be more expensive, but look at how beautiful it's going to be. Those are, those are the things that really help the client come along with us as we're, as we're presenting these ideas. And I'll add in a couple on the other side of that communications, and that's the, the, the listening and listening with empathy. So if we're really trying to understand where they're coming from, then we can do as Nate said, bring back those amazing designs. I would also offer that on occasion challenging the client a, a, a little bit or the stakeholders a bit when we you might sense that they're not they're not really being forthcoming with their opinions you really try to draw that out or if you're not sure that they're sharing all of their true and honest feedback we really want to hear that early on in the process so that we can we can just get that all out on the table and I think in my experience, if there's something that you think is festering, it's best to just try to probe into that. And, and I'll even ask, hey, I'm, I'm sensing some, uh, some odd energy. I might just, be, might just be me, but is everybody loving this? Because we don't want to move forward unless everyone's on board with this design. And so sometimes that's a flyer and, and it's a miss. Nope, you're wrong. Uh, we, <laughs> we all love it. Uh, and sometimes you pull out something that, that uh, people uh, that you didn't realize was there. Yeah, I think that that sense of the room, that sense of people's body language is, and it doesn't have to be in person, but, you know, the virtual room maybe, is is just really important because a lot of times people are telling you what they think, even if they're not saying it. And it's it's the raised eyebrow or it's the stare off into space uh, on the side of the room where you can tell they're checking their email off to the side or it's a virtual meeting. Yeah. Any, any of those things are, are really the cues that uh, a locked-in group has a different look and feel from one that, that might have some disharmony. And I like, the, I like the way you talked about ripping the Band-Aid off because it is inevitable if you get done with a meeting and, you, and you're sitting with your, your colleagues talking about how it went and, and you, you say, I'm not sure they're on the same page or I'm sensing something under the surface or yeah. it's there. You, you, you know, we kind of have a have an interesting uh job in, in that we kind of really get a sense of what all of our clients are like and and how they operate and what the underlying conditions are and you've got to get at those if you're going to come up with something that everybody's on the same page on so you both mentioned like clear communication honest discussion but what what i just heard from both of you is one of those skills is being able to read people a little bit too yeah like yeah. reading reading the gestures it's not what they're saying it's how they're carrying themselves in the room. Yeah. Yeah, that is for sure. And, and I, and I think, um, I'll, I'll use an example. Uh, Nate and I worked on a project together, the one and only project that we worked <laughs> on together. And we were supposed to travel, uh, to a client's site. There was a big snowstorm and we were relegated to do the meeting virtually. Most of the rest of the, the client group was, was in person. And we thought the meeting went swimmingly and everyone was, we're building consensus on this design. And uh, later that afternoon, uh, we get a call from the, the main client uh, contact. And, and that person is like, what the heck just happened? We did not build consensus. What did you, what, what, what happened? And it, was, <laughs> and it was, we were not reading the room well enough. Uh, and so the, the next meeting we were, we were in person and that was helpful. Now. We do lots of great meetings um, virtually, right. uh, but the hybrid is the hardest to read when you've got five or more people in a room on a small screen, right? Uh, rather than being able to see everyone's face in, a, in each box, that's the hardest one to read. It sounds like you really have to tune in to some of you know individual faces yeah. while you're still trying to present to the room at times 
that sound it does sound like it could be a little bit more of a challenge yeah yeah in that hybrid world well and in, in that specific example you know that's where as, as we get to the question of setting up you know how do you set up the meetings or how do you set up the project yeah i think it's really important not to go into a meeting saying okay here's our meeting if we don't leave with consensus, we're done. Uh, you know, the boat's going to sink. And, and that's where there's a sequence of meetings, right? right. You can afford a meeting uh, where you leave and, and not everybody's on the same page. Or you leave and you, and you find out afterwards that you've, mis- that you've misunderstood a situation. Or maybe that they've had a chance to think about it and talk about it amongst themselves. And have changed their mind. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, and that's fine. That's why it's a sequence of meetings where right. we're trying to get, we're, we're trying to present things and hear feedback two or three times or, or maybe even more so that there's not so much pressure riding on us nailing it that first time. That is so true. It really is an iterative process. And we like to show a content, we get feedback, but we also give people space because um, some people process immediately and they right. know they love it or they know they hate it right away. Other people need a little time to to digest and ruminate and they want to study the the plans or the or the drawings and then you come back the next time and they've got some really great comments that we want to be able to incorporate so it is an iterative process and that's really important being an iterative process and trying to read a room from either virtual world or in person do you ever run into times when consensus is a bad thing i like to say that democracy does not yield good design And so I think if we were to just purely put it to a vote, we would not develop good design. But from my perspective, consensus is is hard and it comes with some hard dialogue and possibly some conflict. And so I, I don't think that if you actually achieve consensus that it's a bad thing, but I don't want us to mistake consensus for democracy. Okay. I had a scenario with a client uh, that had definitely a clear leader, um, mm-hmm. definitely a, a, a big shot in this company is coming forward with, this is a project that I feel very strongly about. Yeah. Went through a visioning meeting, went through an initial programming meeting with this person in the room, and then the, the, the meeting where we were going to actually present our design ideas, as many busy people do, can't make it, so there's some other more pressing thing. So now we're, we're presenting to the eight or nine other people who are all also very important people, their voice is important, but the key person is not in the room. Yeah. Um, and to address that, we, we gathered the feedback just as though he was there. Um, and then a week later, when, when you were able to get on his calendar, we went back and, uh, and, and presented. And there was a, you know, we kind of developed an idea of what people wanted in that first meeting and, and had an idea of the direction. And, and it would have caused a few problems if the leader had chosen something completely at odds, right? <laughs> right? So we were a little nervous going and talking to him. And the leader happened to choose the idea that uh, the rest of the group had chosen. And, and when we told them that with a bit of a sigh of relief, uh, <laughs> like, okay, our job is a bit easier here. He's, he paused and said, oh, does this mean we're at risk of having some groupthink going on here? And we, we took an extra 10, 15 minutes to really look at the idea. Is this really hitting the boxes, uh, hitting, the, hitting the things that, that this design is intended to hit? Yeah. At the end of it, we decided, uh, yes, let's go forward with this. But I, I always, for a person in that position, in, in that very high role within a very large company, to hit pause and say, why are we doing this? Is this the right direction? Everybody's agreeing. That makes me nervous. Yeah. Um, was just a really powerful uh, example because you can have consensus that's that's rooted in something that is unhealthy, which is, 
this is what I think my boss is going to like. Yeah, yeah. And if that's the direction that that a, a group starts to go, then you're not getting that honest feedback. You're not getting that communication, that, that opportunity for for listening that that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. You're getting what somebody thinks somebody else might like, right. and that is a that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, you're running into that yes person mm-hmm. type mentality. Whereas I think Stephanie mentioned before making the meeting a safe place to express yourself and to talk about what you truly believe. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that story, Nate. I think that's such a great story. And that for that leader to be conscious enough to, uh, to, to, to pause and, and really question it. Yeah. Great. That really does show a true sign of leadership too, to take that risk and say, well, hold on a second. Yeah. (laughs) So that was a great example there, Nate. Do you have any other examples between the two of you of challenging consensus building scenarios? I mean, I think anytime you have multiple stakeholder groups that need to share spaces, uh, things always get challenging. You'll have different cultures, you'll have different histories of different backstories that you need to, number one, understand so that uh, you know what your client is bringing to the table, as well as, uh, number two, figure out how to kind of keep the boat straight as all these other uh, considerations are going by the wayside, because really what we're, what we're trying to do is develop a way of working in, in a space that's going to be 30, 40, 50, 100 years down the road. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of challenges when you're trying to meld two groups with personalities that, that really aren't something that you should be basing a 100-year decision on. Yeah. It should really be the lens of what's the best direction for this particular client several decades from now. Right. Um, as opposed to uh, in a uh, in a short uh, uh, shorter time frame of of uh, specific politics of the day. Yeah, Nate, I really empathize with that the, your idea there that it's challenging to build consensus with different stakeholder groups, and that can be really challenging with stakeholder groups within a given organization. But sometimes we have stakeholder groups that aren't part of that organization and they might be a community group or a, or a patient group that we're really trying to uh, fold into the, their, their thoughts and opinions into the design process. And yet they might really be expanding how we think about this project. And so it takes more time to build consensus across those different constituent groups. Well, and I think to that, to that point, there, there's also a point in time that that kind of feedback from an outside group is able to be relevant to the design process that we have going. So is it a matter of showing up when the drawings are 70% done and saying, what do you think? That's probably not the right way to approach it. Is it knowing that up front we understand the project well enough, we understand our client well enough to be able to say, we should talk to the community group we should talk to the patient group. They might be able to bring something to the project that actually helps out the whole, but we need to ask them when we can actually fold their comments into the project and not have everything go till. Right. That to me is the, is, the, is the big thing is understanding when somebody's feedback is relevant and then asking them when it's relevant because they can tell when, when, they can tell when you're asking to check a box. Right. Yeah. right. I can see how that's, how that's important too because when you're talking to a client, right? you're getting a very specific point of view. You're getting it from what they do, what they need to do. But if you're bringing in the community or you're bringing in patients in, in those groups, they're viewing it from a completely opposite side of the line, right? 
And I, I, I have my own biases on that because I sit on com my community group. And so I have architects coming and talking to my group. And so I see how they can approach it. They can approach things. And, yeah. you know, there, there's a, there's a point where the community groups are usually volunteers. They're usually giving their time, uh, that, that could be spent on something else. And if you're coming in and saying, what tone of red do you like? Or <laughs> something that's just you know minor uh, minor detail and not really listening to their concerns. It's uh, it's it's not something that will win you any 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 favors or any any goodwill from those groups um, when they are asking for things that might be outside of the scope of the project. And you have to be able to manage that for your client as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really uh, really true. And I remind our teams and our clients all the time. Be careful that when you're asking for someone's opinion that you actually, you're really asking for it and you have the capacity to fold it in. Wow, that's fantastic. So what do you see as unique in the way that BWBR manages the process to bring clients to a satisfying consensus for everybody? I think we've, we've said it already here, uh, establishing a really strong vision up front is so critical and uh, really a, a critical aspect of our, of our project. I think we listen really, really well, and we listen with empathy, and we listen uh, to all the voices in the room. I think we we challenge our clients to think outside of the box, but also to uh, to think about the project in new and different ways. And then I think Nate mentioned it: the off options. We bring options and discuss those options uh, early and often. That's all really true. And I would I would add uh, we we bring an enthusiasm to the project. We always have to put ourselves in our clients' shoes that these are people with forty hour plus week jobs that that the the process of designing a building is completely extracurricular. And if we don't bring some kind of energy, some kind of intrigue, some kind of enthusiasm to them they're going to just kind of clam up and hide and not, and not, not care enough to, to make their opinions heard. Right. And so one of the things that we try to do is set the groundwork with our client, set up, it even gets to the icebreaker questions, right? Are you thinking <laughs> about the icebreaker questions as something that might be an opportunity for us to, uh, when, you're, when you're meeting with a group for the first time, might be an opportunity to get to know them a little bit, get right. to understand their perspective a little bit comes down to the graphics that we use and, and are we really setting things up thoughtfully? Are we thinking about, are we thinking, are we challenging ourselves internally to come up with, with different ways of looking at things? All of that, I think, lends itself to establishing that relationship with the client where you can really hear what they're having to say and, and, and they feel like they're in a position to be able to say it. Love it. That's Love it. Great. And, and it's not that hard for us to bring that enthusiasm because we have the best jobs in the world. This is, uh, <laughs> this is so much fun. And it's an honor and a privilege to get to work with, uh, with our clients to help uh, really help them uh, bring better environments for their, for their clients, transforming lives through exceptional environments. What could be better than that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've covered a lot of ground today, and I can't thank you both enough for being here, taking time out of your schedules to actually meet for our first in-person podcast recording. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Nate. Great to have you both here. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you on the other side. This has been Side of Design from BWBR, brought to you without any paid advertisements or commercials. If you found value in what you've heard today, give us a like, leave us a comment, or better yet, share us with your network. 
You can also reach out to us if you'd like to share an idea for a show or start a discussion. Email us at sideofdesign at bwbr.com. Bye.